who am I? Question that I have for myself. Am I from the East? Am I from the West? Am I with a legal mind? Am I with an artist mind? Am I a geometric painter? Am I an organic painter? And I found in nature, my answer was there. That was the voice of Antonio Pori. Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is our blog radio. Antonio is a painter with a social conscience. He started an artist barter project that involves artists around the world exchanging their works for services. Born in Chandigarh, India, and educated here, he received a law degree from the University of Iowa and studied art at I in Iowa and San Francisco. So, Antonio, thanks for having us in your studio. We're sitting in this gorgeous, big, expansive space with paintings all around us and sculptures all around us. And what we want to hear about first is your Art for Barter project. The Art for Barter project was really born out of uh, the need for supplementing not income necessarily, but supplementing things that an artist needs. I originally got the idea of watching my son trading with one of his friends, and they were trading Pokemon cards, I believe. And it was fascinating to me that they were instinctively bartering. And historically, if you go back, bartering was the system. Just because we feel we've evolved as far as our financial markets are concerned. I think we are actually regressing, perhaps, by leaving behind something that works. So it was a need to bring something to the future that worked in the past. And in fact, governments and big corporations still use it. It's just us on an individual level that are not dealing with that anymore. So you created like a market for bartering. Is that the way it worked? I took the idea that I was believing in and I opened it up for other artists to acknowledge and not be shy or ashamed of. One of the issues that some of the artists had was, oh, maybe we'll look like we are not doing as well or we will look like we are diminishing the value of our work but they didn't realize that from Picasso to Hearst to every major artist has bothered it's not something to look down on it's something to look up to we are not any less civilized because we bother in fact we might be more humane to bother do you see this as political in some way I try not to I but think it it's is just humane. It, it, don't you think it's sort of dispensing with the monetary system and saying that the values are should not be tied to the money, but should be more ephemeral and more humane and personal? I would say more need-based. If somebody needs surgery, that is the highest value they can get for their work because they need that. You know, if you, it's the same thing that I run into every day where somebody says they don't need art. Art is a luxury. Well, I completely, 100% disagree. It's the same luxury that education is. The ones who live with art realize how it educates them, how it enhances their cultural existence on this planet. 
you know that's what makes us human to to try and grow and learn and and really live with things that that enhance the mind and and allow you to evolve so is your barter project yes. is it still existent it is and it isn't um, I'm kind of trapped with it's kind of ironic because here I'm talking about an alternative to money but I've been careful to say supplement to money uh, it is money that's going to take this project forward um, what's interesting is I've done 11 shows uh, most of them have been extremely successful more than half the items have been um, bartered or or offers for barter. But the problem is to take it global and the vision I have would require a funder, a sponsor. Um, and I thought 11 would be enough to get the word out with uh, media coverage from WHYY to BBC World News to Time Out New York. I mean, everything is covering this thing and, and making the request that, you know, we need a sponsor to take this forward. But till today, nobody's come forward. And um, so I'm holding, holding where it is with the idea that there are venues in Europe and in Asia that are very keen on taking this forward, this project forward. It seems like a, a natural counterpoint to the big art fairs. I want to say you should dovetail on the, the most commercial of the art world with something that's completely not commercial at all. Ultimately, I would like to have them right next to each other because that is being human in a sense because you have these opposing forces within you, you know? One's very logical, one's very intuitive. I would see my project is more intuitive, more uh, instinctive, so to speak. So, um, you're on your website, you talk about the idea of oneness in your work and in your thinking. Could you talk a little bit about that? And in light of barter as well. There seems to be so many ideas which seem exclusive, not inclusive starting with the top of the chain, which is um, religion. Even though the ultimate goal of religion would be to free you from that. But the whole idea is to take any idea, art, you know, bartering, and make it a global phenomena that allows people from any religion any color, any background, any social class to participate in. Art perhaps was perceived to be something owned by an elitist group, but now a plumber could own art in exchange for you know, giving his services. So it breaks down the class. And to me, that was really important. Did you grow up in a religious household practicing? Yes and no. I didn't grow up at home. I grew up in boarding schools, starting at the age of five. And they were very, very strict Roman Catholic uh, schools. But surrounding the schools were, you know, Buddhist practitioners, because I grew up in the Himalayas. 
And I guess they freed me from that thinking in a way. So I was experiencing both a very strict Catholic background with sort of these more mystical Buddhist ideas at the same time. And do you practice now? I practice my art. <laughs> <laughs> so do you see the works as spiritual? I, I don't like categories so much. A lot of my work is pushing the idea of breaking down categories. So I would say I see my work as self-explorations. You're very global in your orientation, obviously being born in India and living here and going to school here, but you show around the world. You've shown in India and you've shown in, I think, Germany perhaps, South Africa. Um, how, do you see, how do you see the role of an artist who is in a global situation versus someone rooted very locally? I mean, there, there are people in Philadelphia that don't show outside of Philadelphia. And then there's someone like you that shows almost exclusively outside of Philadelphia. Uh, can I use a lawyerly answer on this? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would have to say it depends. It depends on the art you're doing. It depends on the artist you are. I feel if you're creating local art, you know, there's a a whole group of artists that painting local scenes from Chester County, I guess it's very well known here. Now, their market or their, their reach might be best served locally, but not to say that they should stay locally, but I'm just saying it, it, it seems like that's the best market for their work. With something that I'm doing, I don't know where it's from. It's just from me. I happen to be one of those people that has acknowledged being homeless. And I feel because of that need to discover what home is, where my home is, I need to plant my art wherever I can. Have you found where your home is? I'm still working on that one. How long have you been in Philadelphia? Um, since 9-11. And what brought you here? Um, chasing my son. Chasing your son? Yeah, so I... I um, Are was, you divorced? Yes. Mm -hmm. So my ex-wife is from this area, and so I just followed to... I got joint custody of my son and wanted to not have him feel abandoned like I was. I decided that wherever he moves, I will move there. How old is he now? He's 15. Is he a good kid? He's a great kid. <laughs> and is he an artist? Uh, he says he's more of a scientist and a mathematician. So is that art, perhaps? Let, let's talk about your use of materials a little bit. You were sitting here looking at a very large clump of string that starts at the ceiling, it's hung by a hook, and it falls all the way down, cascades down to the floor, and there must be 25, 50 pounds of string. How did you happen upon string, and what do you think is the significance of string in your work? Is, I'm feeling science somehow. Well, string theory did play a little bit into it, but I also took it as a way of using a metaphor for attachment and detachment. So 
while I've drawn with string over the last 15 years in my work, I can't seem to throw away the residual part of the painting once the string's been removed because it's carrying the essence of that work. And I love to reincarnate the strings into a new life and perhaps um, talk about the detachment. What's left from the work becomes just equally as important in some ways. You were talking to me a little bit earlier about uh, the role of strings in religion. I don't know as much about that other than just a very basic sense you know, of uh, Sufi or sutras or, you know, Brahmins wearing a string around under, underneath their clothes. And you mentioned in uh, Judaism, they have a similar undergarment with uh, strings that come down, hang down, mm-hmm. uh, which is fascinating. Uh, I don't want to be that direct in my work, not being stuck to one particular idea. But originally when I decided to use strings, it was based on the fact that I was using beads and strings together and I wanted to separate the beads from the strings. So basically turn my paintings into non-religious, unbound. Oh, like beads as in rosaries? Exactly. Or prayer beads of any culture. So I I wanted to break my work free from any religion. So detachment. Again, it comes back to detachment. When I, when I look at them, they seem very celestial. The strings? Well, the paintings. Well, I'm fascinated with things that are unseen. So I did a whole series on mitosis because it was, again, a metaphor for the split I feel within myself. Who am I? Question that I have for myself. You know, am I from the East? Am I from the West? Am I with a legal mind? Am I with an artist's mind? Am I a geometric painter? Am I an organic painter? And I found in nature my answer was there. And both things were unseen. One was too small, microscopic, I couldn't see, like a mitosis, and the other was supernovas, which were galactic. Let's talk about your more your current work that you're working on, yes. which seems to have a slightly different thing going on. You are stacking things. You're making sculptural things, not wall-based. They stand in a room free, and they seem to be about the edges. Yeah, it goes actually, it's consistent with all my work. If you've seen my work over the last 15, 20 years, you'll see the edges have always been very important in my work. Edges of the paintings? Edges of the paintings. But the question became, what happens when you show the edges, but you don't show a face or surface of a painting? Does art history allow a painting to be called a painting if it doesn't have a face? Perhaps I need to acknowledge uh, Le Corbusier for that because I was born in a city that he designed called Chandigarh. And that informed me because of his rationale for leaving the marks on the buildings, which created those marks, like the the building blocks of the concrete, you know, with the wooden slabs, uh, leaving hole marks and other inconsistencies in the concrete. 
And he'd leave that because he always thought about buildings that showed that, revealing the muscle of the building. And that sense never really left my work. By showing edges, you're questioning, why can't you see a face? Does it have a face? What is the face? You know, all these questions come up. And those same questions should arise when you look at a person, especially when you don't know all the layers that have created that face or that person. I wanted to take my art and do the reverse, is not show you the face so your judgment cannot, you know, get a preconceived idea of what it is. Does the internet play a role in the way that you um, get around with your art? Maybe not so much with my art, but more me, because I'm trying to stay in touch with so many people from so many different countries that the internet's become a really helpful tool in communicating with them. But the art itself, I think, has to be seen, really seen in person. Uh, the scale, the texture, the essence, I mean, it has a different, it pulsates a different energy. Um, I, I still don't know how people sell their work through the internet, but that's not something I foresee with my work. So do you think that artists need a gallery? I would say, again, yes and no. I'm a big advocate, I'm going to actually coin a new word called artvocate, for artists to take upon themselves to not lose the connections that they have with the art world. And why I'm saying this is because in 2008, I lost five galleries, and it was devastating. How did that happen? They closed. They lost money, they closed. I lost one in New York, one in Scottsdale, one in Texas, one in Washington, D.C. Um, this was the recession, the result of the recession. Exactly. And with the galleries closing, I lost the collectors, because I didn't know them. I lost any connections that the gallery had bridged. And what it made me realize is that we become so dependent on the gallery system to do everything for us. What if I had nurtured some of those relationships? They would still be there. So I've decided to find the same way that I do bartering as a supplement. I found supplementing my galleries that, are, that I have today with creating my own networking and nurturing my own relationships with curators, writers, collectors, not to be exclusive. Every time I open my mouth, people think I'm exclusively going one direction or the other. I'm saying, no, it's an add-on. It's an addendum to, you know, a gallery system. I mean, the galleries have their purpose. I'm finding uh, a lot of galleries get signed agreements with the artists, but they don't really deserve it. They don't do enough for the artist to ask for exclusivity. And the artists are going to stay in an impoverished state. Because while the gallery is making 50% on 15 or whatever artists they have, the artist is making 1 15th of that gallerist at best. 
to even the odds, the artist should have 15 galleries. So each one is paying him what the 50% or whatever the gallery is taking to even the odds. So here's where my advocacy comes in. You bring collectors directly to you and get 100%. That is getting closer to evening the odds. But yeah, the whole idea is that you, you have to be proud of what you do and self-sufficient with what you do. That's great. I think we'll end it on that note. We've been speaking with Antonio Puri. Thank you, Antonio. It's been great. Thank you so much, Roberto and Libby. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.